Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, mermaids and myths. I definitely did not grow up thinking I was going to be a professional mermaid. The silicone tail, which is like the top of the tiers of tails, <laughs> those range anywhere from two to $20,000. And to me, I tell people it's like unlocking a superpower. Everyone will say, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps out the show. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. I want to get right to our first guest. This is professional mermaid, Brandy Anthony. Professional mermaid sounds pretty self-explanatory, but, but what is this like in reality, in actuality? I do a lot of different things. It can be anything from performing, entertaining, conservation, charity. I also have a dive school where I teach other people how to be a mermaid and how to free dive. I photograph people in mermaid tales. I'm a content creator. So there's a lot that can go into what being a professional mermaid means. Like for me, I wouldn't have guessed that this would be like a career. Did you kind of make this a career or was this I definitely did not grow up thinking I was going to be a professional mermaid. I fell into it uh, almost seven years ago now. I was live streaming on an app called Periscope. I was doing that full time. And I'm like, how else can I kind of do something interesting and new with live streaming? And no one really goes live underwater. So I thought this would be so epic. Uh, Let me do a whole live stream underwater but how can I make it interesting? And I don't really remember where I got it in my mind that I, a mermaid would be an interesting like thing to do. But I decided I was going to buy a mermaid tail and get the GoPro and rig it all up and do this beautiful mermaid performance underwater. And I had never swam in a tail before the live stream. And everything went really well. And I was just completely hooked as soon as I put that thing on. And then next thing I knew, I started a little Facebook page. I created the name Vero Beach Mermaid. And I started going viral pretty quickly. Realized that a lot of people loved seeing the mermaid stuff. And next thing I knew, I had a full-fledged mermaid company. Were you surprised that people were so interested in it? I wouldn't say I was surprised. I know that we we as humans have always been obsessed with the idea of Atlantis and, you know, people being able to be half fish, half human, and, you know, all of the folklore that comes behind mermaids and the 
mythology of a mermaid has been around for such a long time. So we've always been fascinated with it. So I knew that with my own love for mermaids and mermaid art, mermaid folklore, that it's not surprising people would enjoy it. Uh, I just didn't think it would yield so much of a career success um, than just entertainment to people. What is it about mermaids that kind of draws you to them? I think it's different for everyone. For me, it's, it's the water aspect. It's that someone with human qualities to them can live in the underwater world, which for a lot of us who love to dive and love to swim, that's just kind of that dream state. Um, so when you think about if you could be turned into anything, what would it be? It would be for me someone who could be underwater, which is the mermaid. So I've always loved just the allure of uh, living underwater. I think that's my biggest draw to the mermaid stuff. I'm not a huge water person, but I could see where people would enjoy it. I just get too scared. So like of the professional mermaid businesses, right? Like I know that you have courses, you do photography, scuba diving, all kinds of different things. Which aspect of it would you say is the biggest? Right now, for me, it's the, I, I own a company called Mermaid Free Dive. So we do all-inclusive retreats. Uh, and they're basically four days of Patty Mermaid and Patty Free Dive training to get your certifications. And then we infuse meditation, breath work, yoga, acro yoga, all of these other modalities into the four-day experience. Free diving is is for everyone, but is not easy. Um, so, you know, combining that mermaiding with a true sport like freediving has become kind of a, my greatest success in the mermaid business is everyone seeing these online videos and seeing the beautiful tales and wanting a little piece of that for themselves. I want to ask you about the tales in a second, because if people have ever seen them, like, holy crap. That's a lot of work that looks like it goes into that. But so for the courses, like, are you teaching them and it just happens to be mermaid? Or are you like specifically know like this is? So Patty, the dive organization has a program specifically designed to teach mermaiding skills, which are, you know, diving down to certain depths, learning how to hold your breath, learning how to do tricks and somersaults and how to blow bubble rings and do performance things. Um, all while having good form and really honing in on safety because breath holding and diving in general, like there are some risks, especially when you put a mermaid tail on. So learning how to safely rescue a blackout or rescue an LMC or, you know, different scenarios that could happen out in the water uh, and just becoming a steward of the water and a safe one. So is it mostly women who are professional mermaids or in the mermaid classes or is I guess what's a what's a mer merman? Is there a mer merman? merman? And merfolk, you know, depending right, right. how you identify. Um, I would say the industry is predominantly female, but in the pro space, there is a ton of different people um, that are not all just females. Uh, but when it comes to my particular courses, I think I mostly attract women. I do have some men attend the retreats or the different courses. Uh, the free diving side attracts more of our male audience and the mermaid side naturally attracts more of the female. We also do couples retreats so that 
people can come out and both learn the skills, whether mermaiding or freediving. My partner is a freedive instructor and he teaches a lot of the guys how to freedive, but we have a, a decent combination of people. Um, so how popular would you say this is, right? And I know that's kind of hard to quantify, but are you scrounging for customers or turning them away to be dramatic? It is definitely becoming more mainstream. Uh, seven years ago, when I when I would say oh, I'm a professional mermaid, everyone would look at me weird. And now when I say it, everyone knows somebody that has a tail or is a mermaid of some sorts. Um, and Patty, which we certify through, does a lot of certifications in mermaid now. The program is fairly new, but uh, in 2022, I did... I think it was like 155 mermaid certifications. So I'm not scrounging for clients. I always have room to, to have more people come out to this stuff, but it's, it's an application process usually for the retreats just to make sure that you're a good fit for that type of experience versus our courses. But yeah, I, I don't have to scrap for them. There's actually a lot of people out there that want to come do this experience. I call it the the ultimate adult sleepover. <laughs> I, I always think of those things of like rock star camp, right? Where like people who wanted to be musicians would go to rock star camp. It seems kind of like princess camp in the water. Is that an unfair characterization or kind of fair? So I think it would depend on the mermaid that you talk to. I'm very much into the sport side of mermaiding. So the breath holding, the depth, the skills, the performance that you can create, uh, not the pretty aspect um, so much. So I would definitely say it's not for princesses. It's four days of a lot of dive training in some semi-chilly water. And we don't wear the tails for most of our training. We wear wetsuits and masks and we have on a full monofin and a weight belt and like the whole, the whole free dive get up. Uh, we only put the tails on for like the fun day, but it's a lot of actual hard work for people. The way that let's say the being dramatic here, right? The outside world, so to speak, is it viewed as weird by people? Yeah, not as much now because it's become popular and because you can go to a store and see a mermaid tail for sale, whereas years ago you, you couldn't, you, no one knew of that. But I definitely still have my share of people who think like, oh, she's delusional. Maybe, maybe she wasn't loved enough as a child was one of the comments once. <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's actually received really positively, especially when they see what kind of business I pull uh, as a career move from this and how many people it's helped them, you know, heal something or become a safe person in the water. Or a lot of people were fearful of being underwater when they came to these retreats and now they love the water and they want to protect the water. And so I definitely get the, that's the weird fish girl face. Um, but it's not as common as you'd think it is. But have you built it up more than other people? I'm up there, but there are, I wouldn't say quite a few. I'd probably say make there's maybe a couple handfuls of other people who are at this level of pro mermaid. And then you have a lot of people who are more hobbyists. 
they might do a little bit of performing. It's a side job or something for fun versus the few of us were like, this is an entire career, but the community itself is huge. The mermaid community and how many people are enthusiastic about all of the mermaid stuff is, is pretty large. I was really impressed by the tails. Like to me, they look like they're heavy or they have some weight to them and they look expensive. Yes, to all of that. Depends on the tail. So we have a few levels of tails. The, the base level is a fabric tail. It's just made of like uh, kind of like swimsuit material. And then you have a monofin that you can put inside of it. Those uh, range anywhere from three to $800 with the monofin. And they're pretty light. They're you know probably under 10 pounds. Then the silicone tail, which is like the top, of the tiers of tails, <laughs> those range anywhere from two to $20,000 and they can weigh anywhere from 25 to 50 pounds. $20,000? Like why is... That's pretty rare to come across one that's that expensive, but they do exist because they are so intricately created. The normal standard price, I would say you're looking at like three to 6,000. Um, which is still, but you have to figure it, it takes an artist years of skill to get to the point of sculpting a mermaid tail and then pouring silicone and pulling the mold and putting the whole tail together and then hand painting the tail. And it's all custom to each client, what they like, their measurements. Uh, it's a very intricate process that takes uh, weeks for one of them to be created. And then you have the materials on top of that. The, the dragon silicone is pretty expensive too. So it's, an, it's really a working piece of art. It's a usable, wearable piece of art. When you look at the tails, like what are most people looking for? Are they using it to swim or is it more of like a photo? I want to wear this at the beach kind of thing. I would say most people are interested in swimming in them. Uh, that's the allure. They see our videos diving in them, which is why they come to do the mermaid free dive training is so that they can learn to swim in them. And the, our courses start from age six to there is no age limit. And a lot of people, I think, get the tails so they can swim. There's probably a few that don't want to swim, just like to, you know, feel like a mermaid and take some cool photos but I would say majority would like to swim in them. So I'm sure you've heard this one before, right? Like people can sexualize anything. Is there some aspect of that involved in this? Not for me. I mean, I don't involve that aspect into my work at all. Um, and I really don't get any feedback online that is in that nature. I know that it exists, but it's not something that's ever been something that I've created in my work. And it's not something that I've had to experience. Um, we get the occasional, the term is mervert. Um, it's a great we get term. the occasional mervert. Um, but other than that, no, I, I, that hasn't been, you know, something that's been, um, a part of, of what I do. Um, in the, in the mermaid stuff, but it, it is society and society will literally sexualize anything, unfortunately. Um, but I am lucky that that's never been something that I've had to deal with. Is that though some, is that a 
not, I don't want to say dark side, right? Because whatever people are into, like, do your thing. I don't care. Um, but is that a known side of the industry amongst professional mermaids that, like, some people will and some people won't? I would say no. I would say I don't know anybody that works in that space with mermaid stuff. Um, I wouldn't be naive to think it exists, but among all of the professionals that I've been surrounded around or I've worked with, um, that's not even something that like is a topic of discussion or something that's ever like brought up, um, in a conversation. Um, it's not something like we, I think that the most odd requests I ever got was to be in my tail, like for a sushi party. And they wanted to put sushi all over me. And I was like, it, thank you, but it is a hard no from me. Whereas there are, you know, other entertainers who, you know, might do that. But they're probably not pro mermaids. They're probably like a model or a performer putting a tail on to do something like that versus a professional mermaid. Um, no, that wouldn't be a common thing. That makes sense, right? Like that probably side of things does exist, but maybe they target a different demographic if that's what they're interested in um mm -hmm. are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions because we have a bunch of them sure okay let's get the let's get this one out of the way first how long into a conversation with somebody before they bring up ariel that would be within there's actually one thing trumps ariel it's the wiki watchy mermaids i don't know if you've ever heard of them but it, there's a spring here in Florida called Wikiwachi Springs, and they've had a mermaid show for, I don't know when it started, but it goes way back, I think like 50 years or so. And they're these amazing performers that, you know, perform in the spring water and you, there's like a glass wall and you can sit and watch the performance. And that's the first thing everybody asks is, oh, you must be a Wikiwachi or Wichiwashi. They say it a different way every time. Um, that's always first. So Ariel usually comes up second and that's within a couple minutes of the conversation is you must want to be Ariel. You must be obsessed with the little mermaid. Um, and then of course I've had red hair for a long time, not currently, but I do get pretty red. And, um, I think people think I'm trying to cosplay her, but I'm not <laughs> surprisingly enough, but it is definitely, you know, I get pointed at a lot. That, that that's Ariel walking around with her, her human legs. So I would say pretty, pretty early on in a conversation. Does it make your eye kind of twitch or is it just like, you just gotta, you just gotta accept it. Right. Like I'm like Tom Hanks getting yelled, run forest, run. Like you just, there's nothing you can do about it. And that's just going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I, I have blue eyes and red hair. So like, I'm asking for it, I feel like, <laughs> anyways. But no, it doesn't bother me at all. Is this becoming more or less popular recently? And when do you think that, that change kind of seemed to happen? Was there something that just kicked it off or did it happen organically? That's a good question. I would say it rose in popularity in the last five years. I'm not sure why. I know that that's when I discovered it. And prior to that, I had no idea there was pro mermaids and that tail makers existed. 
And I feel like most of the people I know who work in this industry are also within the last seven years. So I don't know if it's just when tailmakers started, like really, you know, started putting themselves out there. I know only a few people who've been doing this like more than 10 years. So I would definitely say it's just started in popularity. The live action Little Mermaid comes out soon um, and that will definitely bring up the interest and then black panther and avatar the two second editions um, also both hugely helped the free dive industry which is what mermaiding is so we've had a lot more interest in learning to free dive because both of those movies were so heavily based underwater and all of the actors uh, underwent free dive training to do those movies um, i think it was sigourney weaver got a six minute breath hold while training for Avatar 2, which is insane. And I don't know when, you know, it might lose popularity. I just know that mermaids have never lost popularity in our, in our history of folklore and mythology. It's always been a fascination. You see mermaids everywhere. And uh, I don't see that, you know, kind of going away. And then I don't see kids ever not loving mermaids. So I think it's going to always stay. Um, and then, you know, when we see movies like A New Little Mermaid, it will just increase that interest during that time. What's the appeal of, like, why free dive as opposed to scuba diving? Like, why? What's the... That's a great question. That's probably one of my favorite questions. Why free dive, right? Like, why hold your breath if you can be on a yeah, tank like... of the air? Scuba diving is amazing. Um, it has its place, but it has so much gear. It is heavy, it's intrusive, it's just, you know, it's, you really have to put in time to go do a scuba dive. Whereas free diving, you can be 100% gearless. You don't have to wear anything if you don't want to. And it's just learning how to connect your mind and body in a way where you can feel calm when you maybe feel like you shouldn't. And to me, I tell people it's like unlocking a superpower. Everyone will say, oh, I can't hold my breath more than 30 seconds. And most of those people, when we work with them, we can get them to a two-minute breath hold on their first or second try. And to see them like light up, like, wow, I can hold my breath for multiple minutes is such a superpower. And then learning how to equalize on a single breath. So going deep without air is just such an incredible feeling. It's hard to describe, but when you're pulling down a line and you're just with yourself and there's nothing else, you can't hear anything, you really can't think about other things, it is an incredibly meditative experience. So not only is it just a fun challenge, but it, it's something that I think learning how to properly breathe and how to properly hold your breath uh, can be applied to everything in your daily life, how to calm yourself down in any stressor um, starts with something like holding your breath. Um, and the other thing is you can pop up and down um, in free diving, whereas scuba, you have a lot more, you know, things you need to adhere to time on the top, you know, time to, to, to do your stop. There's different risks with scuba diving and free diving is just a bit more natural and free, but obviously you can't stay down as long. So I think they both have a, a, their place if you enjoy being in the water. I like this question. It follows up to it. Does all this then make snorkeling lame? <laughs> so scuba divers are kind of funny, right? They, 
a lot of them don't get free diving because they're, they scuba dive. They're like, why wouldn't you want to breathe? So whenever we're on the scuba boats, uh, as free divers, the, they always say, oh, look out, the extreme snorkelers are coming. <laughs> That's pretty good. And it, that is what it is. It is extreme snorkeling. I don't know if that makes it more. I don't know what, I don't know if like, if, man, if they were like A-B testing that in marketing, I don't know, like extreme snorkeling. I don't know if I might be a little more interested in extreme snorkeling than free diving. Free diving sounds yeah, we, like, ooh. We use the term free diving, but you know, that's, that's what it is. You are snorkeling half the time and you are diving half the time. Yeah. Best, best mermaid in media, fiction, that kind of stuff worst mermaid in media fiction i am not that good with mermaids in the media everyone always has this misconception that like i probably have seen every mermaid movie and like know every mermaid character because i am a pro mermaid i only just saw splash for the first time a couple years ago because i was so tired of people giving me the you haven't seen splash face so i would say i loved daryl hannah as a mermaid, she is probably one of the few mermaids who had a real silicone mermaid tail made. So the process that she went through to have this tail made, the extensive time she had to sit in this silicone tail is pretty impressive. So I would probably rate her number one just because she actually had to work really hard. Um, whereas a lot of mermaid stuff is CGI. And it's, you know, I can't really appreciate appreciate a CGI mermaid versus someone who put the whole get up on. What if though? Okay. But what if this was reversed and it was fish upper body, human lower body? (laughs) So I had a moment on social media and I didn't catch it, but I did this, like I held onto the rope underwater and I was a free diver. So I was in human form and I like went to do a backstretch and it's being filmed and a fish swam by. And if you pause the moment the fish swims by in the video, it completely replaces my head. <laughs> and so a bunch of people screenshotted it and sent it to me, and it's a fish's head with my free dive body. <laughs> and I was I was kind of here for it. I I kind of like it. Yeah. One way seems pretty practical, the other way seems like a huge pain in the ass, right? Like It seems impractical the other way, but I I would still support it. Um, how can people get involved in conservation? I know you do a lot for ocean conservation, water conservation in general. Yeah, I always tell everybody that the best way to get involved is to educate yourself first and foremost, to be aware of the issues that are out there, to start raising more discussions about the issues that we have. Obviously, water is our entire life force. And if we don't have good water, we're not going to survive. So when, you know, people maybe don't take an interest in water and protecting it, it's interesting because, you know, we can't survive without it. And almost all waterways have something they're fighting against. Like, for instance, the Florida Springs is dealing with our aquifers are drying out due to pumping too much water out of them. And they're also getting a lot of pollution from runoff, um, from farms, fertilizers, sewage, things like that. Our oceans are facing, um, you know, the warming of the seas. The coral is dying at a rapid rate. 
there's a lot of different things. The Great Lakes, you know, the lakes have their own issues. So there's a lot out there and it can feel overwhelming. So I always just say, think of a body of water that is close to your heart, a stream, a lake, a river, the ocean, and then learn about the things that it's up against. And then from there, you can start to learn how you might be able to make an impact, whether that's using less water at home, ditching the plastic water bottles, you know, ditching organizations that are harmful to the waterways, um, things like that, because it's quite a rabbit hole of overwhelm. Um, but there is a lot of ways we can kind of just actively get involved and start making more changes so that we have coral reefs for generations to come and we have, you know, enough drinking water um, for the generations to come as well. Do people seem to be more serious about it lately? I mean, I think I know in the past, right, like there was save everything, you know, and I think that people were kind of like, OK, all right. But do people seem like they're taking it more seriously now or is it still kind of like, oh, OK, save the water? I think it's becoming more serious, uh, like, like for instance, the sunscreen. It's very easy to buy a product that's not harmful to fish and coral versus a product that is. And because everybody is like, okay, if it's that simple of this one is going to kill the ocean and this one isn't, uh, let me make the switch to the point where the brands are now having to make the switch as well and take those harmful things out of the product. So... As a consumer, if we just don't support something that is so blatantly harmful when there is an alternative, it's going to make that entire company have to rearrange. Um, we as the consumers are in control. Unfortunately, I think we just let the, the brands control us a lot of times. Um, but if we really pick and choose what we consume, we can change the narrative. So something as simple as changing up your sunscreen when you're going to get in a natural body of water. Um, you know, it's a small thing. I know people will listen and be like, that's the least of our worries. But if that's the way you think of things, we're never going to get anywhere. And if we bombard people with like, everything's terrible, that's not going to help people either. So just small adjustments. And we call it being imperfectly sustainable, finding ways in our imperfect lives to help reduce and, um, you know, use, use less. Is there like a hotbed of professional mermaids or mermaid activity for people? I would imagine it's got to be on the coast, but is it like it's Florida bigger than Texas or Hawaii? Is there kind of like, oh, you got to go here? So China is the biggest. That is where a lot of um, mermaiding originated. Um, so like in the Patty program, um, Patty Asia is the ones that actually created the mermaid program. And then Patty Americas is now you know, bringing that on in the English language, but it actually was written over there. So China has has beat the world record for the most mermaids in a body of water. I know that the mermaids over here are hoping to beat that record eventually, but it's massive there. Um, it's a huge thing. I would say in America, Florida is definitely going to be your biggest um, because of the warm weather year round. And then California also is hugely popular with mermaids. The Florida Springs definitely bring a lot of allure to mermaiding to our state because it's crystal clear water that is perfect for a mermaid and, and everybody wants to come visit. 
And that's where everyone who wants to be a pro is kind of moving to is here in Florida. That's pretty much all the questions that I have. What's kind of coming up next for you? How can people learn more? So you can visit my website, mermaidfreedive.com. I also have virobeachmermaid.co. Um, depending on, you know, whether you want to be a mermaid, hire a mermaid, um, what, whatever it might be that lures you into the mermaid world, we pretty much have something, you know, for everyone. Not everyone, but almost everyone. You got you to throw <laughs> that in there. One, you got to put that. Not we're everybody. We're missing one key niche there, but um, it's a lot of fun. And if you just like to see what I'm talking about, just, you know, going on social media and looking up Vero Beach Mermaid or Mermaid Free Dive. Um, I have tons of diving videos just talking about and seeing everything that I've talked about in this in this chat. Um, yeah, you can either come get certified or just watch from afar. I want to thank Brandy so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included her information in the episode description. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Do you believe in things like mermaids, yeti, those kind of stuff? Uh, I do not. And I have a valid reason as to why I don't. We've been around and there's been uh, media for what? At least 150 years. Pictures, video. Um, I mean, has there ever been a Loch Ness Monster actually caught on tape? Has there actually been a Sasquatch proven? No. I would believe it more in the past than I would now. Especially just because everybody basically has a phone with them or a camera with them at all times. And we have like trail cameras that are set up. So I don't, the only, there's only one or two that I would be like, okay, maybe someday that we would actually find one. Like anything in the ocean, I could see one day that like, oh, that might actually be true. I will say this is that I, I kind of, now obviously neither of us grew up in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, but I think there is a sense of creativity that goes along with these things that is gone now. Do you feel like something's been lost? I do. You miss, I, the, you miss the old days? <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't miss the old days, but I, I miss the, the ability to... Uh, when I say I miss it, I, I, I miss the thought of being able to, to, to start something like that and then have it go on through, through decades. I think some of our creativity and imagination is, is gone because of things like that. I don't know if we've lost any of it or not, but I do think that we need to have some of that in the world. Like, I think that there has to be a certain amount of magic. What do you do, though? Have you ever dealt with somebody who, like, really believes in something that you think is absolutely crazy? Like, what's your approach for handling that? Like, if you're talking to somebody and they're like, you know what? Aliens visited me yesterday. 
I know somebody in my life that 100% thinks they're visited by ghosts every week. Every week? Is it in their house? Wait, do they believe that they have a haunted house? Or do they just think that they're like being visited by ghosts while walking around? Like during their daily lives? I mean, all of it. All, all of it in between. Um, I'm not going to even waste any time on that other than to say that this person, even when there's a draft in the room, and you can clearly see where the draft is coming from, will say, you know, there's a spirit in the house. I tried to not acknowledge it in any way because I feel like any sort of acknowledgement, whether I agree with that person's beliefs or if I kind of disagree and be like, no, it's just going to make the situation worse. Like I just, if somebody's talking about stuff like that with me, I just want that situation to end as quickly as possible. The best way I've actually had this discussion before with other people. Uh, Think of it along the lines of politics, right? Everyone takes a side and they fight that side to the bitter end without hearing each other or wanting to think of facts. As I started this conversation off, if there was, I mean, throw anything out there. If there was a Bigfoot, it would have been proven by now. It just would have been. Yeah, I think so. And I think the problem is, like we've talked about with conspiracy theories, is it's always the aspect of logistics. Because there can't just be one Bigfoot. Right? Like, Bigfoot's got to be getting busy with other Bigfoots. And there's got to be a lot of Bigfoot. So there can't just be one. There has to be, I'm not an animal expert, but there probably has to be hundreds, if not thousands, in order to maintain that population of Bigfoots. So there should be tons of them just up there. That's the difficulty I see it. That's the only reason why I could believe it in the water, where we can't really see them. We don't know what's going on down there. But if there's a a squid the size of a school a school building i mean you're you're going to see it at some point it has to be it's it's interesting to me that right like if you think about other kinds of animals there's always like other kinds of animals that are kind of like those animals like whales have sharks like there's big sharks people are the only things without like other people there's not like a subset of us another intelligent creature Okay, here's a question for you. Out of out of these th- these three things, a primal creature, and we'll say like that that can be a caveman, uh, humans now, or a robot. Which one would you pick if 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 you if you had a choice to be? Am I a robot or am I a cyborg? No, fuck. Because if I'm a robot, I don't really exist. But am I like a cyborg? Like I've just got my brain, but I've got robotic parts. Yeah, you're like RoboCop. Well, that would be the best. I would actually, if somebody, I would sign up for that immediately. If we had that down and somebody's like, look, we can replace some of your body parts <laughs> with cybernetics, I would absolutely do that. I would go both legs in a heartbeat, mostly because I've gotten to the age where my knees are starting to hurt, like for no reason. So I would replace both my legs. And it's not like I would miss my, you know, no, I miss feeling the breeze on my thigh. <laughs> right so i would do both legs in a heartbeat i'd probably do one arm real quick too i'm i'm probably in the minority of this but i think i would love to go back to like the primal stages i think and die at 20 that's the thing right like you know maybe if i could be guaranteed to live to 50 or 60 or something i don't know to have a full life but we both know i'm falling over a cliff at like age seven so yeah that's the problem you would go back 
teleported back or teleported back into that time and you'd have no idea what to do. I bet that was hard as shit, honestly. Sure. I mean, but but once again, that's human evolution. And I'm not saying that's bad or good or I don't want to get into that debate, but I'm just saying if they if, if those people hadn't flipped over cliffs then we'd still be doing it. And sometimes we still do it as, as a, where we're at now as humans. It's kind of like you can apply that to the uh, mythical creature argument. You know, uh, a Loch Ness monster may have started, you know, with the cavemen and it has gone until now, but it's not, it's not anywhere near what it was because it's been, <laughs> it's been proven several times that it's just a log, right? Like it's not an actual monster floating in, you know, in Scotland. Or Ireland, wherever the hell it is. I can't remember. It's the locks. It's up there somewhere. It might be yeah. Wales for all we know. I'm always fascinated by how we figured out certain things would kill you. Like, how did we accidentally find that out? Like, I don't think this will kill you, but just as an example, like mixing Mentos and Coca-Cola, right? We've all seen those videos. Like, how did we figure out that certain things would like, oh, that's going to kill you? <laughs> like, somebody had to die that way. and be Like, whoa. And probably multiple people had to die like that before we figured out that we shouldn't do that. I mean, well... Like, don't go outside during a lightning storm. Like, how many people had to get killed by lightning before we as a civilization figured out, like, hey, you gotta get low. I'd almost make the argument that we are dumber now than when we were cavemen. Just based upon the... Either that or humans have run out of trial and error things to do, so we're trying... Mentos and Coke in imploding our stomachs. Well, we've evolved to the state of boredom. That's the difficulty. We are lives are now so easy that we become bored with them, and now we have to make things more difficult. But I don't think that you would really want to go back to those times. I think it'd be really hard. I think you can make an argument that you know what? Maybe we aren't designed as people to be working in computers and sitting around all day that we have lost a certain amount of ourselves. But I still don't think that you would want to go back to living like that and how difficult it really was. Like, wait a minute. We don't have air conditioning? I got to go find food? Oof. That that would be the toughest part, I think. And I, if we were to pull 100 people, I bet you, uh, like, sleeping outside or under very little shelter and food would be the number one, number one and two concerns. I think that if we polled people, there would be a certain percentage of people that would say, like, yeah, I would actually absolutely want to go back to living like that. But then I bet if we polled people like a year after living like that, they would be like, hell no, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> like even the most outdoorsy person that's like I lived in the woods for six months would probably be like, you know what? I really don't want to go back to that. Okay, are you ready for shout outs yet? I am. I listen. We were we were having a great conversation about Bigfoot and King Kong and cavemen. It's awesome. Oh, I forgot about King Kong. I wonder if people looked at us who they would think was more primal just by looking at you and I. Um, probably you. Yeah, yeah. You look much more refined and polished, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm much more like kind of city boy. <laughs> well, not even city boy. I mean, you look like a city boy, which is oddly enough is that I probably have just because of where I grew up, much more wilderness skills. Yeah. I mean, you grew up in Kansas, man, where we're going to go eat marshmallows out of a tin it's not can. How they, that's not how they talk that's in not. Kansas. And I apologize to all the Kansas. Kansans. Kansans. Right. People are very offended. Yeah, well, Michigan's governor doesn't even know what she calls her own people, so 
That's that's fantastic. It's Michigander for God's sakes, Gretchen. Uh, all right, let's give some shout outs here. Uh, we'll what start. do you call them? A Michigander? Yeah, Michiganders. Well, that's just dumb, though. I mean, what? It's a terrible I, way of referring to it. I mean, well, how else are you supposed to? I mean, people Mich- who live in Michigan, right? Like that's one of those things where, like, the how whatever that word is supposed to be, right? Whatever the name of that is, how you refer to people, right? Like, we should just skip that for Michigan. Like, oh well, <laughs> it would be Michiganders. No, let's just call them people of, who live in Michigan. That's better. I mean, like Kansas, Kansans, Washingtonians. That's another bad one. Some states should just leave that aspect out of it. That should be and a just top, call them people who live here. That should be a top five at some point. State nicknames or, or like you know how they identify uh, residents as like Texans. As much as Texans is fine. Yeah, Californians, New Yorkers is okay. Iowans, Illinoisians, like that one. Nope, leave it that alone. Hmm. Illinoisian. What would you even say? South Dakotians, Illini? South Dakotans, North Dakotans. I have no idea. That's not too bad. Wyoming, Wyomingers, Hawaiians. Wyomingans? Hawaiians is pretty simple. That's fine. That's fine. It's got to be short. It's got to be Kansans, Hawaiians, Texans, Californians. If you got to think about like, no way, we can't say it that way. <laughs> then you just got to go with people who live here. Well, Vermonters, <laughs> New Hampshireites. New Hampshire's awful. New Hampshireans? Oregonians? Is that is that what they say out there? That's pushing it. That's about as far as you can go and still be acceptable. Oregonians. I was wondering why Oregon's even a state, but it's fine. I mean, the Oregon Trail. Because of the video game Oregon Trail, that's why. <laughs> and wow. people who are not of John and I's generation, probably the greatest thing you missed out on is Oregon Trail, playing Oregon Trail in school. Getting dysentery and dying. It was fun. I think there's a lot though from our generation that the now's generation to miss out on. Like fifty nine percent tacos at Taco Bell. Man, I remember getting like six for. Oof. Man, I remember getting like twelve tacos for six dollars. Yeah. Who? I remember going to McDonald's two for three fillet of fishes. Let's go. Oh man, five for five at Arby's. Oh my. That still, to me, is probably the best food deal of all time. Five for five at Arby's. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do that for too long. You, you realize that because they realized they were getting boned on on cost, probably. Right. That was that was borderline. We might be we might be losing money here, but that was the best food food deal. Was five for five at Arby's. Somebody brought this up the other day that there is no such thing as fast food anymore. It's all luxury fast food because everything is expensive. The, even the dollar menus are like a dollar fifty now or a dollar seventy five. I don't know, man. If you honestly get, I've learned this. If you go and you get kids stuff, which is generally fine. Like I can feed myself and my two kids for eight bucks. You can go to Wendy's. We get three burgers, a fry, and two frosties, and you're good to go. It's eight dollars. <laughs> you can still live pretty cheaply if you want to. Like food is still. Fairly cheap. You just got to kind of be willing to not really get what you want. Like, okay, well, that will work. I went to Wendy's a week ago. I spent $64 on myself. That's an okay. – I don't know what you're doing. How do you kidding. even I'm do kidding. that? I'm kidding. That's, uh, that's a lie. I, I don't know how I'm you do surprised. that as, a, as one person spending – like if you're actually eating for real, I don't know how you – 
eat $64 of anything fast food wise. All right. All right. All right. Let's give some shout outs here to the people that matter. Uh, we'll start with Tony Downs, James Sagos, Marco Klishovich, Nick Galuzzo, Liam Gannon, Nika Schnitzel, Sam Malone, Paul Bass, Grant Gustafson, and Richard Calcedia. I like that name, Paul Bass. Like that's I don't know why that just when I was looking up, you know, people who have interacted with us the last week or so, I just saw Paul Bass. I'm like, that's a strong name, Paul Bass. Yeah, that is a strong name, Paul Bass. Like, <laughs> Paul yeah. Bass. Like if he was in a fishing show, or was a NASCAR driver, or something along those lines, that's a name that's in like Paul Bass. Paul Bay, Dale Earnhardt, right? Like he's those probably, are, those are probably, good names. He's probably not even like from the Midwest at all. He's probably like New York, or Paul California. Bass. Right, that's a name that catches people's attention, though. Paul yeah. Bass. Yeah, Paul Paul Bass busting that ass, bust his ass, Paul Bass. So I got a couple of uh, uh what is less of an athletic feet to you or sport we'll go sport golf bowling or cheerleading cheerleading is a very athletic sport i think that you have to have a certain degree of coordination power and strength that doesn't look easy at all mm -hmm. so i think cheerleading is absolutely an athletic sport Probably second would be golf. I think it does take a certain degree of like coordination to be able to do that and body control. Bowling is kind of like, all right, bowling's not that difficult. To me, bowling and golf are probably not that different in terms of athletic ability. But what puts golf ahead is that it, the, the situation changes much more than it does in bowling. So you have to have, I think, more physical ability to adapt to those changes. Do you think – I agree with you on cheerleading. We'll throw cheerleading aside. I just wanted to see if I could bait you into saying something nonsensical about cheerleading. So congratulations. No, man, those people get hurt. That stuff, that stuff is hard, and those people get hurt. Do you think uh, golf and bowling should be classified as professional sports? I think people – I don't know how, what, what is the technical definition of a sport. So a sport because, uh, listed as a dictionary.com is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Then they would be sports, right? I don't necessarily understand how NASCAR, though, or racing then would qualify as a sport. Because to me, even though that might be something that's physically difficult, well... Chess is physically difficult too, right? Like you've got to be paying attention. You've got to be focused. You've got to have all this mental stuff that's going on. So if NASCAR is a sport, then chess should be a sport as well. I think both are technically listed as sports. I don't – the problem is, is is you can't have one subset of the of – the, of, I almost said genre – of the activity not listed as a sport in the other. Like Formula One is a sport – NASCAR, maybe not so much. Chess? It's the exact same thing to me. Um, chess might be a sport. Checkers, probably not. 
Backgammon? Probably not. Shuffleboard? That's probably a sport. I don't think that anything in which something else is doing a majority of the work that is involved, like NASC, like car racing or riding horses or jet skis, if something else is doing most of the work, then that shouldn't qualify as a sport, in my opinion. Hmm. The car is really doing that. The horse is doing most of this. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll live to fight another day. I'm curious to see if anyone has any opinions out there. Um, second question for you. Would you rather have... N- <laughs> I don't... I shouldn't have laughed. Uh, huh. All right, let's start this one over. Second question for you. Would you rather have no eyes, no hearing, or no teeth? Well, no teeth. You can get dentures. You're not really replacing your eyes or your ears. No, no let, let me let me rephrase. Let me let me add a stipulation. You, you can't get any any replacements. You can't get eye replacements. Well, still no teeth. But that that's going to be really tough to eat the rest of your life. Then it, it's going to be really tough not being able to see or hear. I fought with myself. You can have a milkshake. I think. I think. I don't I'd think say, you thought this through. I think I'd rather have teeth than hearing. No, you wouldn't. I like food, man. Food is good. Right. I'm sure you like food, but you're probably not going to like getting hit by that car. I mean, I'll, I'll learn Braille. I'll be, I'll have, you know, I'll be fine. But not everybody knows it, right? It's not the fact that you don't know it. It's that like, well, how are you going to communicate with other people? Most people don't know sign language. I think having no teeth is, is is a lot worse than you think it is. I'm not saying that being deaf and I'm blind I'm not saying that it's not bad, but that's like but pretty easy choice. Like, if, yeah, I'd much rather be able to hear and see than if have I was teeth. Deaf, like, just stick me in a room with my steak every day and, and a book, and I'm fine. I think that you would probably change your opinion there very quickly because you could still eat the steak. You just have to have hard gums. You got to think this through, man. That's an easy one. Got to have hard gums. As someone who lacks a sense, I do not have a sense of smell, you don't realize how much that you're missing out on. How much? uh, That has to be the most used phrase uh, on this podcast from you. My lack of smell. My lack of smell. My lack of smell. Well, because that's what I'm saying, though. You don't realize all the times that things like that come up. You take it for granted. Somebody who doesn't have it realizes all the things that they are missing out on. I don't realize I've shit myself till I feel a little little pressure, and then it you know, starts to roll down my leg. I've actually pooped on my hand and not known it because I couldn't smell it. Think about that. Yeah, that's a- I didn't poop on my hand, but I got some like on my hand. Like Sometimes you know you wipe, and it's a little bit dangerous back there. It's, and then you got some on your hand, but I just didn't know. I was actually playing Nintendo, and I looked down. I was like, oh, my God. I got poop on my hand. It's very dangerous, pooping. It's a, it's a dangerous finished thing. That, I finished the game is what I did. I'm ready for the a beer right now? I am. It's, uh, it's midday in the east or Midwest. Whatever. I can't really start drinking unless I'm going to a game. I can't really. I mean, let me rephrase. I really can't start drinking it until, like. Even even like seven. I gotta I mean, wait until seven o'clock. This is the champagne of beer, so I mean, it's it's not really like you're drinking beer. It's the champagne of beers. 
But did you are you drinking Miller High Life out of a bottle? I am. Sure. Why? <laughs> Cuz it's probably Why do they even make that in a bottle? There's no reason to make that in a bottle at all. Somebody left it over my house, you know, like four or five of them, and uh, I actually kind of enjoy them now. I forgot. I like cheap beer. I'd much rather have. I think cheap beer. I like a good swill. I want something that lets you know that you're drinking it. Yeah, you always have their chicken wing shots. Okay. I'm ready for a top five. Let's get into it. Okay, so our top five is top five mythical creatures. I don't know if these are necessarily mythical creatures, but like I can't think of what the actual name for them would be. I think it's actually like cryptids, like cryptozoology or something like that. But we're just going to call them top five mythical creatures. What's your number five? Uh, I put a fairy as my number five. Fairies. Okay. I'm all right with fairies. That's about... I couldn't go any higher than five. But like, all right. Kind of like it's how we started right. our, our, our part of this podcast. You've never seen the tooth. We know the tooth fairy is not real. We know it because we're the fucking tooth fairy. Uh, and that uh, being parents. Um, yeah. Fairies are, they deserve to be on a top five mythical creatures list because of how famous they are in, in media. But we know they don't exist. So. My number five is Chupacabra. <laughs> Mainly just because I like the way that it sounds. Like Chupacabra. I just like to say it. Chupacabra may not be that high on this list, but it's one of the best ones to say. Chupacabra. I mean, like, what? what is even a chupacabra? Is it just like an overgrown rat or rodent or something? Unclear. But I think it drinks goat's blood. It kills oh. small animals. Okay. Yeah, but chupacabra. <laughs> it's fun to say. I like it. Chupacabra. All right, my number four is Chupacabra. a is a yeti. I think that's a little bit high for a yeti. Okay. All right. I'm, do you con- do you consider the yeti and the abominable snowman to be the same thing or different things? Hmm. I mean, I'm g- I'm going to classify them all as the same kind of creature, like Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Yeti, the abominable snowman. Um. So, yeah, so they're, I, I guess those are all my number fours, but I'll stick with Yeti, like, officially as my number four. And the reason why I even have it on the list is because not one of those creatures, no matter how many people think they've taken photographs of them, have been proven to be true. So they're still mythical. I broke those up. I think that they're a little bit different. I think that the Abominable Snowman is a Yeti, but he's, like, the most famous Yeti. I think okay. he gets his own slight, like, oh, but no, that's not just we, any Yeti. That's the abominable snowman. We may differ on what you classify a mythical creature, because I think my top three are pretty solid in terms of mythical beings. So, Okay. My number four is Megalodon, giant shark. I think it actually existed at some point, but there's a lot of people who apparently still think that it exists. Yeah, so yeah, we're we're gonna differ on this, I think. Our 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 last three. Um so I think a megalodon is uh it was an actual dinosaur. I don't think it's like a I guess it's mythical, uh, but I, I, I don't really think it's on I I don't think it's in this category and I'm surprised that you've left off so many other mythical creatures and put a megalodon on there. I think it's sweet. 
Uh, so my number three, it's a tie. Werewolves and vampires. Yeah, but those aren't like mythical creatures. Those aren't cryptids. But that's what I. But they're they're considered mythical creatures because they're not real. Yeah, but I don't put them in the same category. They're made in our. I think that like I don't think that anybody really thinks that there's. I don't think anybody really thinks that there's werewolves out there. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Out of my entire list, that's probably the one thing I would maybe consider being real. There's a lot of hairy people out there, men and women alike. There's a lot of hairy people, but even if you saw like something strangely moving and there was like a big controversy of it, I don't think that anybody would be like, that's a werewolf and have people believe them. They're like, it's not a werewolf. But if you said that same picture was like a Sasquatch or a Yeti, I think people might believe that, but nobody would believe that it's a werewolf. Well, I will say this, that my my one and two probably go back to to how your list is, so... I don't think okay. I done fucked okay. it up too much. My number three is uh, Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah, that's... And I think that Bigfoot should probably actually be higher on the list, but I live in the Pacific Northwest where people talk about Bigfoot a lot and there's shirts with Bigfoot on them. <laughs> and it, it's annoyed me too much. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, a lo- the Loch Ness Monster. Mm. Okay. So I'm okay. I'm going to give my two and one then. My number two is Yeti. Okay. Just because I do think the Yeti is different enough from Bigfoot that it warrants its own thing. But my number one is the Loch Ness Monster. I think that has like the most mystery around it. Like, oh, that could be Mm -hmm. because it's the water. And it is possible in my mind that like something might be down there that we don't know about. That's why I have Loch Ness Monster as number one. So my number one is, uh, and I kind of left it pretty broad. But it also deals with the water. And uh, if I had to narrow it, we'll say like a, the giant squid. But really like any large underwater mythical creature that we think may exist. Like the 80-foot octopus or the 400-foot whale. Only because, from kind of what you said throughout our, our uh, time here, I mean, we don't know. We haven't been to the deepest part of the ocean. So who, the, who knows? Maybe, maybe it is out there. But I'm going to guess... That it probably isn't. I think it probably isn't either. I don't think the Loch Ness Monster probably exists. But if something one day, like something turned up, be like, oh, yeah, well, not entirely surprised by that. What's in your honorable mention? So I wanted, like I said, I kind of created two lists um, because I had a feeling you probably wouldn't agree if I had like a dragon on, on my list. But I feel like dragons... Uh, I have King Kong, mermaids, griffins, uh, sphinxes, or the sphinx, I guess, maybe. Keep it oh, up. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I feel like those kind of things fall into the category, though. People know that. Like, oh, what was that thing? What was yeah. a sphinx? No, it wasn't. Like, it was really hard. Like, I almost asked you in a text before this if if I could put Ghost as my number one. But, you know, I, I don't know. Mm. I mean, because to be honest, a ghost would be easily my number one. Ghost would be number one. But I feel like it has to be more specific than that. Like yeah, Bigfoot. That, yeah, that's fine. Not just fine. like. But that, that um, kind of wraps. I have mermaid. Rounds, rounds me up. I have mermaid. Um, And I have Mothman. 
I remember watching the movie The Mothman Prophecy. I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember what Mothman is supposed to be, but I remember like, oh man. Jesus. Scary. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really does help us out. New episodes go live every Wednesday morning, and then we have started putting up full episodes on YouTube on Thursdays, usually around like 4.30 Seattle time, 7.30 Eastern I don't know what that is if you're listening internationally, but basically by like late Thursday, we've put those episodes up on YouTube, and I think that it really does add something, being able to see different parts of this conversation. So our YouTube channel is up now. We started putting up full episodes like I just mentioned. It's profoundly pointless on YouTube. Check it out if you get a chance. And let us know what you think I just think the Loch Ness Monster, because it has that mystery, makes it more interesting. Like Bigfoot, all right, you know that's not real. But the Loch Ness Monster, that might be. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.